وصحبه وبعد We finished the second hadith and its explanation today We go straight into the third hadith of the Arba'ina al-Nawawiyya ibn <coughs> at the beginning of the explanation of Arba'in al-Nawawiyya. What do we call that? Abu Abdul Rahman. Naam. It's called Akunia. His name is Abdullah, the son of Umar ibn al-Khattab, radiyallahu anhu, the second Khalifa of Islam. And his Kunia is Abu Abdul Rahman, meaning he had a son called Abdul Rahman. He reports that the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said Buniya al-Islamu ala khams Islam is built on five things Shahadati an la ilaha illallah To bear witness that there is no one deserving worship Except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Wa anna muhammad al-rasulullah and that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is a messenger of Allah. That is the first pillar. وَإِقَامِ salati And to establish salah. That is the second pillar. وَإِتَاءِ zakati And to give zakat. That is the third pillar. Then in this hadith, this one, this version is narrated by Bukhari. He begins with, Hajjul Bayti to go for Hajj to the house of Allah Wasiyani Ramadana and to fast during the month of Ramadan. In the riwayah of Muslim, I said this hadith is narrated by Bukhari and Muslim. This riwayah which begins with Hajjul Bayti, then followed by Suyan Ramadan, is the version of Al Bukhari. The version of Muslim is وَصِيَامِ Ramadana and fasting during the month of Ramadan وَحَجِّ الْبَيْتِ الْحَرَامِ and to go for Hajj the correct version according to the scholars of Hadith is most likely the version of Muslim as opposed to the version of Bukhari why? because this Hadith 
Ibn Umar radiyallahu anhu narrated it another time. And the man asked him, he said, you mean, وَحَجِّ bayti وَصِيَامِ Ramadana." Because when he narrated it this time, he said, and fasting the month of Ramadan and going for Hajj. Then the man corrected him and said, you mean, and going for Hajj and fasting the month of Ramadan. He said, no, I mean, fasting the month of Ramadan and going for Hajj. هَكَذَا سَمِعْتُهُ مِنْ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ that is the way I heard it from the Messenger ﷺ, which means this riwayah, this version, confirms that fasting the month of Ramadan comes before uh, Hajj. You would think this hadith is probably a repetition of what we've already discussed in the second hadith, where Jibreel ﷺ asked the Messenger ﷺ about Islam. He said, فَأَخْبِرْنِي عَنِ الْإِسْلَامِ Tell me about Islam. And the Messenger وسلم, in that hadith mentioned these five pillars of Islam. There is no repetition at all. Because Rasulullah in this case is trying to emphasize that these pillars of Islam are the things on which Islam is built. That's why the hadith begins with Bunyal Islam. Are we, are we getting a marker today? It's important. It's, it's very important that we get a marker yeah, for uh, zakat, especially. The Messenger وسلم, said, Bunyal Islam. That is a very important phrase. Islam is built. Meaning, without these pillars, there is no Islam. If a person, for example, does not pray Salah, there is no Islam for such a person. The Messenger وسلم, said, Al-Ahdu Ladi Bainana wa Bainahum As-Salah. The difference between ourselves and them is Salah. The person who leaves Salah or the person who does not pray Salah has destroyed Deen. And if you look at the Tartib or the way these pillars have been arranged, it starts with shahadatu an la ilaha illallah wa anna muhammadar rasulullah because without this shahada the rest of the pillars are not accepted if a person prayed salah five times a day and gave zakat and fasted during the month of ramadan and went for hajj and then he did not declare La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Would the salah be accepted? The salah would not be accepted The zakat would not be accepted His fasting in Ramadan would not be accepted And his hajj would not be accepted Because this pillar is the most important pillar on which every other pillar is built Allah Ta'ala has said, وَقَدِمْنَا إِلَى مَا عَمِلُوا مِنْ عَمَلٍ فَجَعَلْنَاهُ هَبَاءً مَنْثُورًا In this ayah, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala refers to the people who do not believe in La ilaha illallah. Whatever work they're going to do in the world, 
we will not reward them in the hereafter. And who says, فَلَا نُقِيمُ لَهُمْ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ وَزْنَا On the day of judgment, we are not going to weigh, uh, I mean, to weigh their deeds. Because لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ is like the soil in which we plant our seeds. Without good soil, even if you had good seeds, the good seeds would not grow. If you take good seeds and plant them on rock, on a big stone, you cannot get maize. The soil has to be good soil in order for the seeds to grow. So your iman, La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has to be true in order for these actions to have any meaning. Salah can only have meaning if your iman in La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is true. Zakat can only have meaning with La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Fasting in Ramadan will only have a meaning with La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Hajj would only have meaning with La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I want to repeat what I said before. This La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is divided into two parts. The first part depicts ikhlas, sincerity. While the second part, Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam depicts mutaba'a or following the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And I said these two are the pillars of ibadah. Ikhlas, Sincerity meaning the ibadah has to be for Allah. Al-mutaba'a, the ibadah has to be according to what was taught by Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So if a person is sincere in worshipping Allah, but he does not worship Allah according to the way Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam taught, then the ibadah would not be accepted. Because he has ikhlas, sincerity, but he does not have mutaba'a, which is following what was taught by the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And if a person had mutaba'a, following the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, but he is not sincere in giving his ibadah to Allah, such a person would be considered a munafiq, because there is no ikhlas in his work. So for the amal to be accepted, I said, you need ikhlas and you need mutaba'a. And while talking about this, I remember that I divided people into four groups. Who can remind us of the four groups? When I spoke about ikhlas, sincerity, and mutaba'a following the Messenger wasallam, I divided people into four groups. Who can remind us what the four groups are? Or maybe that lecture is gone. We, we don't need to refer to it anymore. We just, we just keep going. وَلَا تَكُونُوا كَالَّتِي نَقَضَتْ غَزْلَهَا مِنْ بَعْدِ قُوَّةٍ أَنْكَاثَ You're threading a, a rope, trying to make a rope, and then you keep threading, and where you're coming from is just getting undone and undone and undone until you get to the end. Yes, what are the four classes of people in terms of ikhlas and mutaba'a? It's gone. Remind me when you remember, inshallah. I'm, I'm not going to say it again.
So would you remember the four classes of people? I think Ibrahim does. Nam. A bit difficult. Yeah. Nam. No, that's where the trick is. Yeah, if we mention the first one, everyone is going to remember everything else. Not really. Okay, close. <laughs> so once I say the first one, obviously everyone is going to remember. I said there are those that have sincerity. And they have mutaba'a. They are sincere to Allah and they follow the sunnah of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam. These are the ones whose work is acceptable. Then there are those who have sincerity... They want to do it for Allah, but they don't follow the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. Their work is not acceptable. And then there are those who follow the sunnah of the Messenger ﷺ, but they have no sincerity. Their work is not acceptable. And then there are those that do not have sincerity. And they don't even follow the sunnah of the Messenger ﷺ. These are the last. You remember them now? Naam. So, I also taught you one important principle which you are going to need every day of your life as a Muslim. I said, anything or any ibadah, any act of worship is haram except the ibadah which was taught by Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa Any form of worship is haram. Any form of worship is haram except the ibadah which was taught by Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. What was not deen, what was not a part of religion in the time of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam will not become a part of religion today. Religion was perfected in the time of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Al-yawma akmaltu lakum deenakum wa atmamtu alaykum ni'mati wa raditu lakum al-islam deena. Nothing new shall be added to this religion. Man amila amalan laysa alayhi amruna fahuwa rad. Whoever does anything that we have not commanded fahuwa rad, it will not be accepted. So this is the most important pillar, inshallah, at the, at the end. Or maybe it's urgent. Naam, khabar. No, what I'm saying is, what was not part of deen in the time of Rasulullah cannot be a part of deen today. In short, Rasulullah perfected the deen. There is nothing new to add to this deen. Rasulullah taught everything that was supposed to be taught. Imam Malik, rahimahullah, says, Man ra'a fil Islam, aw man ibtada'a fil Islam, bid'atan yaraha hasana, faqad za'ama anna muhammadan khana risala. Whoever introduces something in Islam which he thinks is good, he is then trying to suggest that Muhammad did not fulfill his prophethood because he forgot that good thing. There is nothing good in religion which Muhammad forgot to tell us. And there is nothing bad in religion which Muhammad forgot to warn us against. 
So he taught us everything good and he warned us against everything bad. Any new good thing that you will introduce today is not a part of deen because Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam did not consider it a part of deen. And he says sallallahu alayhi wasallam alaykum bi sunnati wa sunnati al-khulafa'i rashidin al-mahdiyin. Follow my sunnah and the sunnah of the khulafa'i rashidin. Al-muhim that's a topic for another day inshallah. We move on to the second pillar of Islam which is the most important pillar after shahadati Allah ilaha illallah wa anna Muhammad rasulullah and this pillar I need to emphasize the first thing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to account us for on the day of judgment is this pillar and it is salah before Allah asks you about anything else those who didn't believe in Allah those who didn't say la ilaha illallah Muhammad rasulullah for them there's no answer Allah is not going to ask them about anything. There is no counting of their deeds because there is no iman in the first place. But I'm talking about those who said, La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah When Allah begins to count their deeds in the world, the first thing Allah is going to ask about is salah, prayer. Salah five times a day, that is the first thing Allah is going to ask about. If the salah is okay, be sure that everything else is going to be okay, insha'Allah. If the salah is not okay, then there is big trouble. Nothing is going to be okay. This salah is the first thing, five times a day. That's the first thing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to ask about on the day of judgment. This is a wajib. Something Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made compulsory on every Muslim. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, فَمَنْ تَرَكَهَا The one who leaves this salah فَقَدْ كَفَرْ He becomes a kafir. The difference between a Muslim and a non-Muslim is five times salah. If a person cannot manage five times a day salah, just know they will not manage anything else in Islam. A person who does not manage salah five times a day, everything else is difficult. Or at least sincerity in everything else is difficult. Salah is number one. That's why some scholars say the position of this salah in Islam is the position of a head on the body. There are some people without arms, some people without legs. But we've never seen a person without a head. A person without a head is not a person, that's a dead man. So we could see some Muslims who uh, uh, do things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forbidden, or maybe they, they live some wajibat which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made compulsory on them, but a person who lives salah is not a Muslim. فَخَلَفَ مِنْ بَعْدِهِمْ خَلْفٌ There came after them a generation فَخَلَفَ مِنْ بَعْدِهِمْ خَلْفٌ أَضَاءُ الصَّلَاةِ They lost their salah. وَاتَّبَعُوا الشَّهَوَاتِ And they followed their pleasures. فَسَوْفَ يَلْقَوْنَ غَيَّا They will be thrown into Jahannam. إِلَّا مَنْ تَابَ Except the one who makes tawba وَآمَنَا and believes. The one who makes tawba and believes, meaning the time he was living the salah, he was not a believer. إِذَا تَابَ When he makes tawba وَآمَنَا and believes, 
then he becomes a believer. You found, find many people complaining about their the lack of dedication to the religion of Islam. They feel that their iman is always going down. They are not able to follow the commandments of Allah. And when you look into their life, you find they are not serious about their salah. How do you expect iman to, to increase without salah? Salah is a wajib. Allah is not going to ask you about zakat before you finished accounting for your salah. Allah will not ask you about Ramadan before you finish accounting for your salah. Allah will not ask you about hajj before you finish accounting for your salah. Salah is the least every Muslim is supposed to do. Five times a day. And when you look at how much time Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us and how merciful Allah has been to us, even when you look at the pillars of Islam, Salah, Zakah, Siyam and Hajj, Salah is how many times a day? Five times a day. How long approximately is one Salah? Let's give it a maximum of Ten minutes. Most salawat are less than ten minutes. But let's give the salah a maximum of ten minutes. Ten minutes fajr, ten minutes duhr, asr, maghrib and isha. How much is that in one day? Fifty minutes. How many hours are there in a day? Twenty-four hours. If you spend fifty minutes in salah, how many hours do you have remaining? Twenty-three hours and ten minutes. Is 50 minutes of your 24 hours too much for Allah to ask? Just 50 minutes a day. You spend 2 hours, 4 hours on movies. You spend 6 hours, 10 hours on soccer and other things. But Allah is asking for just 50 minutes of your 24 hours. And zakat is how many times a day? How many times a day is zakat? Once a year. That's very difficult to give money once a year. Not every month. The government gets tax from you every month. You pay tax every month. You pay tax every time you buy something from a shop. When you go to shop right, you pay tax. When you buy electricity, you pay tax. When you pay for water, you pay tax. Allah said, I don't need you to pay zakat once a month or twice a month. I need you to pay only once a year. And the once a year, don't give it to me. Allah doesn't want it. Give it to your fellow human being. So that what? So that the fellow human being can love you. So that you can have a good relationship. It all comes back to you. The zakat you give is not for Allah, it's for yourself. When you give zakat to the poor, who are they going to love? You. And who's going to be happy at the end of the day? It's for you. And only once a year. Ramadan, only one month in the 12 months of the year. And even the one month, it's not day and night. It's 
just during the day. At night, feel free. Eat and drink and do everything. Of the 12 months, it's like asking for only 15 days. 15 days of 12 months, which leaves you 11 months, and how many days? 11 months and 15 days of eating. Is that not enough? Hajj. I need it from you only once in a lifetime. I'm not asking you to come to Mecca every year. If you're going to leave 60 years, 70 years, of the 70 years, I need you only once in, in Mecca. But that's difficult, isn't it? No, for us. وَإِنَّهَا لَكَبِيرَةٌ وَإِنَّهَا لَكَبِيرَةٌ إِلَّا عَلَى الْخَاشِعِينَ this is a big issue, except to the people who, who are tranquil and fear Allah. For everyone else, this is difficult. 50 minutes of 24 hours is very difficult. Tax once a year, too difficult. And not for everyone. Only for those who have. And then coming to the Nisab. And very little, actually. Much less than the tax you pay every year. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants this deen to be easy for us. So I said without salah, Allah is not going to count anything else of your aman. Because this salah is the most important pillar after the shahadatan. Think of a tent. The tents that we, especially the nomads use in the, in the desert, they put one big pillar in the, in the middle and some other pillars surrounding the big pillar in order to hold the tent up. Then go and pull down the one in the, in the middle. What happens to the tent? Collapses. Because this is the most important amud. Wa'amuduha is Rasulullah says in a hadith and we'll come to that hadith later. And then after that the messenger sallallahu says wa'ita is zakah and to give zakat. Zakat is only compulsory on people who have reached the nisab. Nisab means the minimum amount of money that a person needs to have in order for the person to give zakat. And that zakat has to be given only if that amount of money is kept for one year and above. If you keep it for less than one year, then there is no zakat on it. So starting here, what is the nisab of zakat? In short, how much money do I need to have in order for me to pay zakat? I'll start with the nisab of gold. Az-Dahab. For gold. How much gold does a person need to have in order for the person to pay zakat? Now, 85 grams of gold. 85 grams of gold, which you keep for one year, should pay zakat. The zakat is how much on the 85 grams of gold? 1 over 40. This is called rubber and ushka. 1 over 40 of 85 grams of gold. For silver, what is the nisab? How much silver does a person need to have 
in order to pay zakah. He says 400, he says 500. It's actually 595. 595 grams of silver, which you need to keep for one year in order for you to pay zakat. So, let's start with the nisab of Azdahab, gold. In terms of money, we're either going to calculate the money using gold or using silver. If I have an amount of money and I want to find out whether I've reached the nisab or not, I need to calculate the nisab of gold in order to know whether my money has reached the nisab of zakat. So 85 grams of gold multiply by the price of gold. How much is it today? Let's use 30 for uh, convenience. Alright, for easy calculation, $30. I know it could be more than that, maybe 35 So we say $30 per gram. So 85 grams multiply by 30. This is 15, 1, 24, 25, and 0. How much would that be? 2,550 US dollars as misal. If you're using gold to calculate your money. So any person who has 2,000 550 US dollars and keeps this 500, rather, 2,550 US dollars for one year is supposed to pay 1 over 40 of 2,550 US dollars. So what is the zakat on 2,550 US dollars? 1 over 40 multiplied by 2,550. In other words, 2,550 divided by 40. You calculate it. Sorry? 63.75. In short, if your money is 2,550 US dollars at the end of the year, you will pay $63 as zakat. Is, is that too much? On 2,550. Just $63, not every day. At the end of the year. The easiest way to calculate your zakat is simply to divide it by 40. Any amount of money you have, divide by 40. That's your zakat. Alright. So if your um, capital is, say... Uh, 100,000 US dollars. Okay? Very quickly, what's the zakat at the end of the year on 100,000 US dollars? $2,500 US dollars. $2,500. This is when we are using gold as the mode of calculation. But I always say it's better to use silver. Because silver, the nisab is going to be much lower, and that is better for the poor people. 
Because if we say a person should have 2,550 US dollars to pay zakat, then in our community, very few people will pay zakat. So we resort to silver, where the nisab is going to be much lower, so that as many people as possible can pay zakat. So now, let's use silver. Al-Nimsah, Dasta. Over there. Ikrimah, give us that Dasta. Let's use silver. Uh, how much is a gram of silver? Five kwasha. You see, silver is nice. Yeah. So 595 grams multiply by five kwasha. How much? We want to find out any sob. It's five in kwasha. So in US dollars, how much would that be? Okay, we'll calculate, then, then change that to, to US dollars. Right. Okay, so what is 595 multiplied by 5? 2,000? 2,975. Watch All right. Let's change this to dollars. How much would that be in US dollars? Let's say $300. $300. You see the difference? The Nisab for gold is 2550 while the Nisab of silver is only $300. So if we take silver as our mode of calculation, everyone here will pay the tax. You see why it's better to pay to use silver as the mode of calculation? Siraj, when we use silver, you pay zakat. <laughs> everyone, <laughs> almost, almost everyone pays zakat when we use silver. Because the majority of the people at least have $300 as their capital. But there are very few people that have $2,550 US dollars as their capital. So now let's calculate the zakat on $300, for example. How much would the zakat be? Seven US dollars, which is how much in kwacha? Seventy kwacha. Seventy kwacha. Yes, kwacha per year. Seventy kwacha per year. So, how many, how many Muslims would fail to pay seventy kwacha per year? With a small business, your small business, the capital is $300. And then zakat time, get 70 kwacha, send it to zakat funds. If we had uh, uh, maybe 200 or 300 such, such businesses in a community, 300 multiplied by 70 kwacha, how much money would that be? Twenty-one thousand, yeah, twenty-one thousand. Uh, in this masjid, do you have twenty-one thousand? No, this masjid. Does the masjid have twenty-one thousand? How much money does this masjid have? Zero. Right. But if people take these seventy kwachas and you have twenty-one thousand kwacha, 
at the end of the year, w- would that be a good thing? Would you go begging fi sabilillah? If, if there is uh, 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 probably something you, you need to do, maybe uh, a madrasa for the children needs repainting, you need to put carpets in the madrasa and so on, would you go asking fi sabilillah? But we we so stingy to the point of failing to pay something which is compulsory, something which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made wajib. I think these calculations are clear. For those who deal in um, money, you just convert either gold or silver, but I advise you to use silver that is better for the poor people because at least all of us will be able to pay uh, zakat. The amount of money you pay is not going to change. It's going to be the same. It's only the nisab that's going to change. Gold is going to tell you you have not yet reached the stage of zakat, but silver is going to tell you you've reached the stage and you pay at least a small amount of money towards the community. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Every work of the son of Adam is his, except fasting, which is mine. Wa ana ajizi bihi, and I'm the one that gives the reward for fasting. Fasting, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it specifically for himself, because uh, fasting is a secret between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The other ibadat are observable. We are able to observe people doing this ibadat, but suyam is not observable. We may all be seated here, and I'm sure someone might be, might be fasting in this, in this group, and we don't know. Only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is able to, to observe his, his suyam. And in Ramadan, all of us could be fasting, and someone has broken his fast, and we're not going to know. Only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is only, uh, I mean, able to know that. And it's a secret between a man and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah said, it is mine, specifically. All the other ibadat, we know the reward of the ibadat. Something good you do is multiplied ten times, up to seven hundred times. But for Siyam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not reveal the reward. He said, it is mine specifically, wa ana ajizibih, and I'm going to reward the person who does the fasting. And most importantly, fasting teaches us three kinds of patience. All the three kinds of patience, starting with the first type, which is as-sabru ala ta'a. As-sabru ala eh al-ta'a. Patience in observing what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has asked us to do. It's not easy to do what Allah asked us to do. Praying is not easy. Fasting is not easy. All the ibadat are not easy. But through sawm, you learn to have patience ala al-ibadat. On the ibadat, the things which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asked you to do. You cannot stop, even if it's difficult. Fasting, you get hungry, you get thirsty, but you can't stop. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded you to do that. So that spirit 
is also diverted to the other acts of worship where you know you have to fulfill what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks you to do. So, as-sabru ala ta'a. Then, fasting also teaches us the second type of sabr, which is as-sabru ala al-ma'siyah. Al-ma'siyah. Having patience in the things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forbidden. It's difficult to stay away from haram. Most of the things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made haram are things which are enjoyable. People enjoy music, people enjoy beer, people enjoy dancing. They're things that people enjoy. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches us sabr, patience. Patience in these things by taking away in Ramadan the things that we enjoy. We all enjoy eating, we enjoy drinking, we enjoy nice things, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes that away in Ramadan in order to teach us as-sabr ala ala al-ma'siyah, disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And most importantly, as-sabr ala al-aqdar. As-sabr ala al-aqdar. On qadar. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends us qadar. La qadar Allah, something bad happens to a person. The person has to be patient. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَنَبْلُوَنَّكُمْ بِشَيْءٍ مِّنَ الْخَوْفِ We're going to try you, starting with fear, وَالْجُوعِ and hunger, وَنَقْسٍ مِّنَ الْأَمْوَالِ and poverty, no money, وَالثَّمَرَاتِ poor harvest, وَبَشِّرِ الصَّابِرِينَ Give good news to those who are patient. And in Ramadan, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tests you with jua, which is hunger. So these are the three kinds of sabr that we learn through uh, uh, Ramadan. As-sabr ala ta'a, as-sabr ala al-ma'siyah, wa sabr ala al-aqadar. Then after that, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, wa hajj al-bayt al-haram. To make hajj to the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is an obligation of every Muslim at least once in a lifetime. The benefits of hajj are numerous. We cannot discuss them here. We'll discuss them in the future, insha'Allah ta'ala. So this hadith, the hadith of Ibn Umar, radiyallahu anhu, in which he counts the five pillars of Islam, the hadith was spoken in a munasaba. Munasaba means there was an occasion that caused Ibn Umar to narrate this hadith of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Who knows the occasion? What, what was he asked for him to narrate this hadith? Sheikh Sulaiman. Who knows the occasion of this hadith? He was asked the question and then he replied with this hadith. Someone said to him, Ala taghzu. Someone said to the son of Umar, Ala taghzu, are you not going for jihad? Are you not going to fight for sabilillah? Then he answered him, he said, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Buniyal Islam ala khams. Islam is built on five pillars. And he mentioned the five pillars. What is the dalil in the hadith? What is he trying to say? Someone, someone says to him, are you not going for jihad? And he reads this hadith. What is Ibn Umar trying to say? He's trying to say, jihad fi sabilillah is not a pillar of Islam. The pillars of Islam are, shahadat Allah ilaha illallah wa anna muhammad rasulullah wa iqami salah wa ita'i zakah wa siyami ramadhan wa hajjil bayt. These are the pillars of Islam. I don't see jihad in this hadith as being a pillar of Islam. 
So if a person does not go for jihad, he does not fight jihad fi sabilillah, we can't say he's not a Muslim because jihad fi sabilillah is not one of the pillars of Islam, rather it's called farad kifaya. Farad kifaya is different from farad ayn. Farad ayn is something which every Muslim is expected to do on his own. Farad ayn, like salah. Every Muslim is supposed to pray, right? If, if a group of people pray in the community, is, is that enough? Do you say, no, actually, some people have already prayed, so there's no need for me to go for salah. Every Muslim is accountable for his salah individually. So this farad is called farad ayn. But jihad is not farad ayn. Jihad is farad kifaya, where if a group of people does it, then it's lifted off the shoulders of the others who did not do it. The group that does it gets a reward, but the group that didn't do it will not be punished. I want to give you an example you can understand quickly. We're by the swimming pool, alright, and someone is drowning in the pool. Do we all need to dive in the swimming pool to save the drowning person? All of us, there are 50 of us, all the 50 of us must jump into the swimming pool. What needs to happen? One or two people who know how to, how to swim can jump into the pool and save the person, right? That's enough. Do they get a reward for doing it? Yes, they get a reward. And the rest of us who just stood, no reward for us, but we won't be punished either. But, if someone is drowning in the pool, and the 50 of us just stand and look until the person dies, what happens? Everyone is punished. Everyone is held accountable. How could you stand and watch him drown? Jihad is like that. If a group of people goes out and fights jihad fi sabilillah, the burden is lifted off the shoulders of everyone else. But if no one does it, then all of us will be punished. Allah says, وَمَا كَانَ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ لِيَنْفِرُوا فَلَوْلَا نَفَرَ مِنْ كُلِّ فِرْقَةٍ مِّنْهُمْ طَائِفَةٌ لِيَتَفَقَّهُوا فِي الدِّينِ وَلِيُنْذِرُوا قَوْمَهُمْ إِذَا رَجَعُوا إِلَيْهِمْ لَعَلَّهُمْ يَحْذَرُونَ مَا كَانَ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ لِيَنْفِرُوا كَافَةٌ it's, it's not all the mu'minin that are going to, to do one particular responsibility. Like if we say, let's go for jihad, every Muslim must go for jihad. Or we say, let's go for ilm, is it every Muslim who's supposed to become an alim? But if the community does not produce an alim, then the burden is on the shoulders of the whole community. So the pillars of Islam are clear. These are farad ayn, these five pillars. You can't say, uh, some people have already done Hajj, therefore I don't need to do Hajj. Hajj is far of Ayn, it's on you. But if some people have already gone for Jihad, not, not everyone needs to go for Jihad. Alright? How many Jihads have been fought? Many. How many did you attend? Who, who attended one Jihad here? Not one person. Right? Why? Because we know it to be farad kifaya. But I'm not saying we shouldn't do it. It's not farad ayn, but I'm not saying we should not do it. If a Muslim gets an opportunity, alhamdulillah, uh, 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward him for his effort. I think that should conclude hadith number two. Next week, hadith number three, actually. Next week, insha'Allah ta'ala, we go straight into hadith number four. أَقُولُ مَا تَسْمَعُونَ وَاسْتَغْفِرُ اللَّهَ الْعَظِيمَ لِي وَلَكُمْ وَيْسَائِلِ الْمُسْلِمِينَ فَاسْتَغْفِرُوهُ فَهُوَ أَهْلُ التَّقْوَى وَأَهْلُ الْمَغْفِرَةِ سُبْحَانَ اللَّهِ بِحَمْدِهِ سُبْحَانَكَ اللَّهُمَّ بِحَمْدِكَ نَشْهَدُ أَنْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا أَنْتَ نَسْتَغْفِرُ وَنَتُوبُ إِلَيْكَ سُبْحَانَ رَبِّكَ رَبِّ الْعِزَّةِ عَمَّا يَصِفُونَ وَسَلَامٌ عَلَى الْمُرْسَلِينَ وَالْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ